You're tuned into Inside Lowell, Inside Lowell podcast brought to you in part by Washington Savings Bank, serving the greater Lowell community for over 130 years. Make the switch now to Washington Savings Bank. Reverie 73, Lowell's number one cannabis shop. Elevate your cannabis experience at Reverie 73. Hafners, heating and cooling homes and businesses for nearly a century. Hafners, it kicks. And by Boston North Company, restaurant and retail solutions for your business. That's Boston North. And now, time for another Inside Lowell podcast. Inside Lowell. If Lowell is your home, this is your place. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another Inside Lowell podcast. Today, which is Friday, June 16th, when we're recording this. I don't know when you're watching it, but uh, we we are recording it on Friday, June 16th. We're going to give you an inside view of the Lowell Police Department, and we're going to give you that view through the eyes of its new police superintendent, Gregory Hudon. We're going to introduce him to you in a quick second. Just want to take a moment to quickly thank everybody for joining us here on the Inside Lowell podcast. As we like to say, Inside Lowell, if Lowell is your home, this is your place. You heard some of our sponsor thank yous there off the beginning, our first podcast that we're trying with this new little uh, recording thing. We're trying to add some production value here, gang, as we gear up for our one-year anniversary. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. We're going to tell you more about our sponsors as we go forward. And thank you to all of them for helping make this podcast, all of our podcasts, and for making Inside Lowell in general possible. Right now, I'd like to welcome in our special guest. You see him there, resplendent in his uh, police uniform there, and the badge that I can read, even with my poor eyesight here, that says superintendent on it. He is the superintendent of police here in the city of Lowell, Gregory Hudon, Chief Hudon. Good morning. Welcome here to Inside Lowell. Good morning. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, your first appearance. Any nerves out there? You know, you're still kind of a newbie on the job. Oh, very nervous. You said <laughs> superintendent. I wanted to start looking around. <laughs> yeah, I always get confused. I I want to say chief. I want to. I don't know if I should say superintendent. What 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 is the uh, the official way to uh, address you? The official title is superintendent of police. Superintendent. Of I police. answer to everything, just like when I was a kid. Hey, you. <laughs> you're still Greg, right? Yep, uh, absolutely. Like, I was never one for formal titles or ranks, but yeah. So you've been on the job now five weeks. How long has it been? Uh, May first. So May 1st. I'll let you do the math. Six uh, finishing my sixth week, something yeah. something like that. So uh, yeah, it's it's been exciting. Did you ever see this for yourself as you uh, kind of started out in your career in law enforcement? Is it something you aspired to at any point? God no, <laughs> no. Uh, make it simple. No, I've uh, just taken things one step at a time. Uh, at every step of my career. I'm in my 26th year now. Um, just actually completed my 26th year. So yeah, uh, this is this is new and exciting territory. 26 years yep. in, uh, in law enforcement. I guess it, I, it surprises me when I hear that. And I, I have to tell you a funny story. When, when news was starting to kind of come out that you were the, uh, you were the selection to be the the next chief i reached out to some folks just to kind of get some comments to see like what they thought and I, one of the ones i reached out to was uh former superintendent and turned boston police commissioner ed davis and he actually um he like spoke like glowingly of you like he knew you uh for forever which i guess he kind of did right uh honestly uh 
funny story, I'll segue back, you know, 26 years ago when I graduated from the police academy, it was actually with the UMass Lowell Police Department where I initially got hired. And uh, graduation day, Superintendent Davis, who was with the Lowell uh, Police Department, obviously then stood up and shook my hand. And I'll never forget that moment. He's a wonderful man. He's been a mentor my whole career. Uh, He's been a maverick in the city and the police department as far as community policing goes uh, in a time when he was very forward thinking. So uh, he was, you know, something I, somebody I look up to. You mentioned the community policing and that's something that we hear from, from, uh, Chief Davis was a pioneer in that. Lowell Police got lauded for that nationally, but we've heard it with every superintendent after that, whether it's uh, Ken LaValle mm-hmm. or Bill Taylor and, and Kelly Richardson and mm-hmm. Barry Golner and now you, community policing. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? What, is, what does community policing mean from the eyes of a, an officer, the eyes of a, of a police chief? So from my perspective, and, and you hear this when you read the literature and you start talking to business owners, Um, people will talk, we need a community policing unit. Community policing isn't a unit. It's not a specific group of people. It's a philosophy department wide. And what it is, is it's community engagement, listening and getting out to, to speak with people at a grassroots level and get their input. And with that, it's a, it's a relationship building uh, situation. And that's in a nutshell, community policing, right? Uh, understand, excuse me, understanding what the community wants and needs. So we know the role of a police officer in police departments has changed a little bit. And I want to get into that, especially in the post-George Floyd world. But how, how has community policing changed? Has it changed? Have you kind, kind of had to evolve what Chief Davis kind of helped launch with other pioneers nationally? Uh, or is it still, are the basic tenets of community policing still the same? And, and the, the way you carry it out, basically. Yeah, the idea is still the same. It's about building relationships. Now, um, you, you just alluded to a lot. I think the landscaping of policing has changed drastically over the last five or 10 years. Um, and how you carry out that mission of community policing can vary a little bit depending on your staffing and different things. But the idea of community policing, of getting to know your 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 community and your residents is is the foundation of it. How has um, how has the the mental health component of the job that we heard so much of the last couple of years, how has that affected the day to day operations of officers, the training, the the education? going forward because it it seems that now you're you're almost dealing with as many mental health situations as you are with a bank robbery or store robbery etc dare i say more probably of that that you're dealing with absolutely so let me just back up a little bit so you know we talked a little bit how the landscape of policing has changed over the last five to ten years and uh you you mentioned every every chief goes through uh situations that they have to deal with um, from, you know, in my time, obviously, with Superintendent Davis, Superintendent Lally, uh, LaValle, Superintendent Taylor, Superintendent Richardson. Going back to Superintendent Richardson, uh, right before you saw police reform come into the picture, uh, he was very focused on accreditation, and, and that was uh, very forward thinking because that tells your community that you're in line with the best, your policies and procedures and what you do are in line with the best practices of the profession, right? And that gives your agency and organization legitimacy with your community. Um, so fast forward a little bit with some of the the post uh, police officer standards and training and MPTC guidelines with a result of that legislation forced us to conduct a specific mandated types of training and certifications that we're going through. 
Uh, and a lot of that really deals with uh, interacting with um, vulnerable populations, mental health, opiate addiction, homelessness, and stuff like that. De-escalation is a big, big buzzword. So yeah, it has affected a lot of what we do. You mentioned that accreditation status, which Lowell Police achieved. How do, how do you maintain that? Is that something that once you get it, you, you got it there for life? Or do you have, kind of have to keep going through that process and get recertified every, every how often? Uh, it's every two years. Um, every, it, it's actually very good that you mentioned that because it's a constant self-evaluation process, right? As new initiatives come up, we have to look at the policies and how it's going to be affected. We have to amend certain policies. Um, I can tell you just recently with one of them, um, we had a policy of no cell phones in our, in our communication center. Well, in light of the cyber event, we now have to look at that policy because we have to have our dispatchers have the ability to do two-factor authentication or they have to, they can do it on their phone or they have to get a token. And so we have to constantly be evaluating our policies and some policies, which are very high liability, automatically get reviewed on a yearly basis. Some are a little bit longer, but it is a constant self-evaluation and um, to get reaccredited. Um Cameras, those rolled out earlier this spring. Uh, we haven't heard. It, it's funny. It was. It's such a big controversy. It was such a big discussion nationally, and uh, even here, leading up to it, I remember sitting here with uh, your predecessor, Chief uh, Chief Goldner, and and he was just about to roll it out, but there were concerns, and so, suddenly they're out there. Your officers are wearing them. So yes and no. So uh, they rolled out April fifth. The cyber event happened April twenty fourth ish. And so they were out for about three weeks. You know, this is the, the pilot program. And as a result of the cyber incident, we had to st stop the program uh, because we weren't, we weren't able to download any of the data. So the cameras uh -huh. would have been filled up within one, one shift and we, wouldn't, we had no way to download the information. So um, we're slowly getting there. Okay. I don't have a, a hard date as to when we will actually restart the program. Uh, but it is coming soon. So, so that explains why we we haven't heard much about it. It it had to it had to be paused. What other what other changes do you envision? Um, obviously, you've had high praise for all of your predecessors and talked about continuing the the work that they've done. But every new leader has their own vision and wants to implement certain things. What kind of changes can we expect to see? You know, improvements, however you want to word them, under your police department so that thank you for the question i appreciate that so as i kind of mentioned over the last five to ten years um policing has changed right we've added and just to just to name a few things right post has changed the mptc mass uh, municipal police training council uh training requirements have changed for our academy and our in-service people we've to meet those uh, requirements, we've added two new training officers to make our training consistent throughout the department. And they deal not only with the academy, but our own in-service people as well. They do firearms, they do de-escalation with our virtual training. They just cover everything, right? And it's gonna be consistent department-wide. We've added a cadet program. We've added co-response clinicians to deal with mental health, where I believe the manager's goal is to expand the co-op program to also deal with homelessness. We've expanded our youth services. We've created a youth services for youth outreach. Um, I kind of keep going. We've expanded our SROs, right? We've added all these layers, which um, creates uh, more administrative functions, correct? And I don't think anybody would disagree with all these things are super important, right? Nobody is going to say that we should pull back and not 
reach out to the youth, right? This this is an investment in our future. And I wholeheartedly agree with it. And I'm going to continue with it. And I believe we can do all of this stuff. But I really believe we need to get back into the community policing. The manager has been very clear, as ha- as the council has, about what they want to see, particularly in the downtown business district. Uh, we've recently had a couple of motions. One was about the, um, you know, the disorder going on at the car wash at uh, 81 Roger Street. Um, there's another motion on to make sure that we have an increased police presence uh, downtown for the streeteries, right? We want people to come downtown, feel safe, um, and not be uh, accosted um, to enjoy our businesses, right? And I think a big part of that is getting back to community policing, of being able to see the officers on the street um, walking, whether it be walking, whether it be on bicycles, whether it be on segways, whether it be on motorcycles, right? We have all these tools, and that leads us into the issue of staffing, right? We've we've created all these all these positions which are vital, and we're pulling from patrol. and And I've spoken to both unions and and um, many of the councils, and everybody agrees we want more cops on the street, right? And um, to be seen, right? Whether it's in the neighborhoods, whether it's Lower Centerville, whether it's downtown, um, so that's going to be my goal. Uh, to do that, I'm asking the the manager and the council to add a third deputies position. Um, I think we have to really take a good hard look at how we are hiring and recruiting um, to increase our diversity in our department at all ranks throughout the department. Unfortunately, what happens is when you add all of these positions and roles and and we're asking the police to do more with less, um, that's what everybody says. We got to do more with less. We've been doing a lot more with less. We're currently down, I would say, about 15 or 16 uh, positions. We have uh, those vacancies are ready to go. I've spoken to the manager. We're expecting a new list come out July 1st. And unfortunately, with civil service, we have no idea how many names are going to be on that list. We don't know how many people have taken that test. And if you're looking for a job, please take the next <laughs> civil service test. Um, we're also in the process of interviewing a third candidate for a cadet program. Uh, which is kind of a workaround inside civil service to try to get more diversity and uh, people onto the police department. So in addition to being down 15 or 16 vacancies, we have about 18 officers who are out on long-term injury or disability, which really takes away from our ability to put people where we want them. And those are all things that I'm going to look at. And and hopefully, if the, the council approves it, and um, that third deputy is going to be vital to looking at how we schedule, how we um, – how we hire, right? And that'll allow my patrol deputy to strictly focus on the quality of life issues downtown. He, I want him hands-on. I, it, we have to be fluid. We have to be adaptable um, and being able to shift our resources where, they need, where they're needed and when they're needed. All right, I want to focus in on that third deputy position because it has still not been approved and it is the source for a little bit of controversy. Mm-hmm. And I know there's at least one no vote on the city council that said, said so this morning as I was driving in. Uh, we're chatting with Lowell Police Superintendent Gregory Hudon. We're going to continue our discussion with him. Just want to quickly thank all of you for joining us here whenever you're watching this podcast. As we like to say... Inside Lowell, we like to provide news, information, and sometimes entertainment on your schedule, not ours. I'd like to thank all our sponsors for making this podcast and all of our podcasts possible. Of course, Washington Savings Bank, Branches in Lowell and Drake at Washington Savings excels in knowing their customers and their community. If you're looking to switch banks, make the switch now to Washington Savings Bank, and you can still earn $300 simply by opening a new account if you're a Lowell or Drake resident, $300.
Just open an account. Learn more online at WashingtonSavingsBank.com. Washington Savings, serving Greater Lowell for over 130 years. Thank you to our friends at Hafner's. Summertime means we don't have to worry about home heating oil, which Hafner's takes care of, but propane, the outdoor cookouts, your your swimming pools, all, all sorts of other needs. You want your car clean for those family trips. You want it fueled up. Hafner's gas stations and car washes are everywhere. Hafner supplies propane for all your home needs. Check them out by calling 866-IT-KICKS or visit Hafner's.com to learn more. Hafner's, it kicks. Thank you as well to Reverie 73. I most recently voted Lowell's number one cannabis shop by Boston.com. Number four in the entire Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And what's really cool about that is they are the only standalone shop in that top four of the Boston.com rankings. The moment you visit them, though, you'll know why. Check out the store, 1148 Bridge Street in Lowell. It's bright. It's beautiful. You go inside. It's just a whole great feel, relaxing feel. The staff is friendly. It's knowledgeable. And they go the extra mile to, to help their customers. So elevate your cannabis experience at Reverie 73. Learn more online, reverie73.com. And last but certainly not least, thank you to our friends at Boston North Company Restaurant Retail Solutions. They offer all sorts of products. They just debuted a brand new phone system that will make your life as a business person much, much easier. They also offer ATM, credit card processing, you name it, they've got the solution for your retail business or your restaurant business. Visit bostonnorthcompany.com. We continue with Lowell Police Superintendent Gregory Hudon. All right, you said that you said it, the third deputy superintendent, the, the new budget, which will be voted on next Tuesday night on the June 20th, asks for a third deputy. How long has Lowell Police operated with two deputy superintendents? Uh, as long as I can remember and beyond. Okay. Um, you kind of began to, to state your case for why you need the, the third deputy. You talked about all the new tasks that have been kind of asked of police uh, and whatnot. Um, why can't you just pawn, let me play devil's advocate. Why can't you pawn that off on a, on a captain? Or that's, a, that's kind of a bad way to put it. Why can't you assign that to existing captains or, or the existing deputies? So I was deputy for, for about a year. Let's, let's, for argument's sake, right? And what I found was the other deputy and I were, were splitting those, those duties. And what happened was you'd come into the office and it was a daily basis where you were just, consumed by the administrative side of things. And what I want to see happen is to take those, those responsibilities that consume you on a daily basis and shift them away from our patrol deputy to actually go out and interact with the captains. Um, you know, we have three sector captains that are, that are really at the beck and call of the community groups and the community leaders, and they take phone calls and, and they're doing their thing. Then you have the, sh the shift captains and I want them really out there um, real time driving around and seeing what is happening is, is, is our vision being met. Okay. And I don't think that's happening right now. Um, and that's why I'm asking that that third deputy be, be put in. Uh, okay. So when you say you, you were starting to get overwhelmed mm -hmm. with administrative duties, F folks here of administrators, upper level management, mm -hmm. they add ah, somebody who sits behind a desk and blabs on the phone for a little bit, goes out and has, you know, lunches with, with other VIPs yeah. and, and five o'clock punches out. 
give us an example. What what was the typical day like for you in terms of administrative duties, and and what did it not allow you to do? That was another duty that was kind of assigned to you. So there's a lot of so on my side of the house, right? Uh, there's a lot of high risk, high liability areas like evidence, like vice, like gang units, like the criminal bureau that handle uh, so many of the high liability things that we see on a daily basis that often people don't see or hear about on, on the um, on the day to day. Um, it, it was inevitable that you'd come in and there's MIS issues, personnel issues, um, contracts, licensing. Um, it, it's just it it's never ending, and I it was difficult to get out from behind the desk to go to these units and these groups and interact on a daily, weekly basis to find out is our mission being accomplished. Um, it's it's about you know management by walking around and not being tethered to the desk and getting out there and making sure the mission of the the manager and the council is being done. How would you respond to somebody who says, well, for that salary, you you could have had a couple of other officers on the streets, a couple more boots on the ground, and Mm -hmm. then you you just, that takes a little bit away from some of the upper management that is tasked with some street duties. Yeah, that's a a good argument. However, I'd say, you know, listen, um, I just indicated we have 15 open vacancies. People are not banging down our door anymore to come to our job. We need somebody who can spearhead. And, you know, there's some ideas that I have in the works about how we can try to get more people. Um, One of them is taking a look at the civil service hiring program, and that's a full-time job. Um, Other departments uh, right now are already looking at possibly coming out of civil service for hiring purposes. Um, The argument is that it's kind of antiquated. Uh, and if we do it, it's something, you know, it's it's an idea right now. It's very, it's in its infancy and it would need council approval and legislation. Um, I can I can tell you one of our uh, neighbors are already in the process of doing it. There's another 40 that have already done it. And there's another 10 or 12 from what I understand from the other chiefs who are also uh, at the legislative process to open up some of our pools of candidates for hiring. Um, that's a full-time, uh, that's going to be a full-time task for a deputy. And when you're asking to be fluid and get those boots on the ground and where they need, I, you're taking away from that by with that administration stuff. Um, and we need those boots on the ground. And I'm looking to I'm be asking the manager. I need I'm looking to fill 15. You, you, know, you mentioned please. you got 15 spots you need to fill. Hopefully, those who are out with some type of injury are are coming back. Um, but 15 spots to fill. That's been the case for a while now. So right, uh, that number's been relatively high for a while, right? Last year at this time, we were at nine um, with a few more that were out injured. And, and again, uh, kudos to the, the manager's office, the law department, Karen, Karen Gagnon, helping to facilitate some of those long-term injuries off of the books to free up those spots so that we can, we can start up the hiring process. One of the problems that we're seeing is like the last uh, academy class, right? We had scheduled uh, 10. We were looking to hire 10. We ended up with seven. Uh, four of them were already academy trained from other departments that that came on as new hires, and they're hitting the street on Sunday, which is which is great. More boots on the ground. Uh, three of them are in the academy right now. We lost two or three of them very late in the process, weeks before the academy started, because they couldn't pass the the PT part of it. Uh, and if we changed our hiring process a little bit, we wouldn't have wasted all the money 
and getting them to that point. You know, it costs money to do background investigations. It costs money to do psychological exams and medical exams and all that stuff. So we have to kind of rethink what we're doing and this is the way to do it. And if we keep doing it the way we've always done it, what's the saying? You're going to get what you always got. Sure. Yeah. The, the bigger problem to me seems, and this is not just a Lowell issue. This seems to be everywhere. It is. Um, fewer people are getting into that mm -hmm. line of work. Fewer mm -hmm. young Greg Hudons are saying, this is a career I want to pursue. You also have, you know, society's changed an awful lot. And there were certain standards. You, you talk about background checks and whatnot. Is it time for law enforcement in general to kind of look at the evaluation process, the qualifications, and maybe loosen those standards to meet a 21st century society that we live in? I, I think we have to be creative in looking at uh, the groups that we're we want to target for recruitment. I think we clearly should be looking at some of the social sciences more of psychology, sociology, not just criminal justice majors, trying to attract more women and underrepresented groups to the departments and getting it. And again, that's community engagement, right? Get out from behind your desk and go and, and talk with people and recruit. Um, I'm not a huge fan of lowering the bar, so to speak. I know just recently they did change some of the standards. We were losing apparently a lot of people to sit-ups. And uh, one of the things they changed it is from sit-ups to planks. And I don't know the standards. I, I heard it was something like you have to be able to plank for 30 seconds. or Planks are supposed to be killers. Right? I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> I'd rather do the sit-up, I think. But what, what I was talking about, those uh, things like uh, uh, marijuana use, cannabis use, at one time taboo. Now it's legal here. But from my understanding is if you had a, a drug arrest in the past even if it was for just marijuana that automatically disqualifies you if there was some type of a conviction involved is that accurate so it, it's legal in the states but it's still illegal federally so it, some of the firearms requirements and stuff like we, we are still mandated to keep those standards based on some of the federal uh, guidelines that we have to deal with so is it, would you like would you and some of your fellow chiefs like to see that change a little bit. Uh, I haven't looked at that uh, closely enough to, to give you an opinion right now. But um, listen, I like I've told both my unions, my deputy, if you have an idea, I'm willing to hear it. Let's discuss it and let's figure out where we're going to go. So, All right. Uh, Chief Hudon, Superintendent Hudon, thank you very much. See, this wasn't that bad, was it? No, no, no. You're it's fantastic. Much Thanks easier than being on the radio. We got cameras. So, I love uh, I'd like to do this on a regular basis, though, especially as some of these new initiatives start to kick in. And once that uh, camera program really gets, uh, gets up, and into, up and running, because that to me is fascinating. Yeah. I actually think I actually think it will help. Uh, I, I don't know if it'll make police job easier, but prosecutors are going to love those. Things. It's it's uh, just real quick. It's funny you mentioned that that um, you know one of the things we also had to change and start looking at is you know our our um, records requests. Right, uh, we did a. It was kind of piecemeal um, how we were doing it. I was surprised, but the DA's office would reach out to certain officers to get um, paperwork for their cases, and uh, the with the addition of the body worn cameras, we're the records requests are going to just nothing but increase, right? So we're really asking a lot more out of our records department uh, to make sure everything is is uh, cross-referenced between body-worn cameras, police reports, and and whatever else the DA's office needs and, and getting those records requests out. And that goes for the public too, right? They, they're making record requests for body camera uh, footage, and, and it's it's a lot. It's going to be a lot. Just wait, you have to deal with those of us in the media who yeah. don't want to see that right. uh, yeah. footage. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, thank you. Great to have you here, Chief. Thank Appreciate you. it very much. All right. Thank you to Superintendent Hudon, and thank you to all of you for joining us as well. Again, we recorded this on 
Friday morning, June 16th, uh, whenever uh, whenever you're watching it, I hope you found it informative and a little inside peek into the Lowell Police Department and where it is going under its new leader. Uh, thank you uh, to all of our sponsors as well, the ones that we've mentioned, the Big E's, Washington Savings Bank, and Boston North Company, and Hafner, as you see their logo behind me, the Kicking Donkey, Reverie 73. But thank you to all of our sponsors who really make it possible for us to bring this news, this information, and this entertainment to you folks at InsideLowell.com. Till next time, everybody stay safe out there.